Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai. And you're listening to Quiet, Please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hiya, boys. Nice day for golf, eh? Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the... Hey, you guys. Hey, we're trying to have a podcast over here. <laughs> Baby, I am back. And I'm coming. Oh, I'm coming. Today, Andy, I got my hat, although I'm not very hot because it's cold up here in the Northeast. I got my 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 uh, little uh, toque on as a Canadian for a uh, ski hat. I am Alan DePew. This is Quiet, Please. I have been missing the microphone for like a month. You have no idea how excited I am. I'm going to use all my energy right now. <laughs> and I'm going inter- to start by introducing to my left, Brendan Elliott. Mr. Little Linksters, Mr. Esteemed Author, Mr. PGA. I got Bobby Baldessari, also known as Bourbon Bob, sporting a Patriots hat. That's a true fan. He's to my left. And Andy Kydorn, the smooth, silky sounds of his voice as he filled in while I was on a a hacienda there for a little while. Hello, Andy. If you were playing playing golf right now on the first screen, you'd be five-cutting your so hyped. I am <laughs> he he would never five putt. No, <laughs> it's been it's been a minute, boys. It has been. Yeah. Been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Andy and I have the uh, Patriots covered from old Pat Patriot, old school to the flying Elvis. Yep. <laughs> we haven't jumped ship. Yeah, uh, We're never <laughs> jumping ship. <laughs> never ever. Never Look, ever. Hey. I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm a New England-born guy. You guys know that as well. But uh, the, the ship is uh, <laughs> it's going to the murky depths, I hate to tell you. Is it, I'm not arguing with that. But doesn't mean I'm jumping off. I'm I'm the dance band on the Titanic here. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some lows before. That's All right. right, so we're we're recording. Uh, is uh, what is it? Is Wednesday, uh, November fifteenth. Thank you. And we got cutting edge news here because literally just an hour ago, the indoor golf simulator league took a massive blow as the roof collapsed in Palm Beach. Power failure, roof collapses. Does this put Tiger and Rory's uh, new venture in jeopardy? What say you, Bob? It could be a uh, a um, divine intervention kind of sign from above. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting because just yesterday I, I read something about Tiger's golden touch with things and how this could be so good and Rory's in it and everything was looking good. Granted, they didn't get John Rahm and. Uh, but overall, they thought they get a lot of interest in it. So I I don't know. This is the only site they're going to have to put on a hold. Um, then you're going to start heading into the season with more golf. I don't, I don't think it bodes well. Andy? I, I, look, I, I think what it really begs is a discussion for me about the difference between this – new golf league and live and and how Ooh. yeah i i think i think it begs the discussion because you know what this really is is entertainment and and uh you know i'm interested to see what happens here because i think it's going to be fun to watch it's going to be really interesting um but you know again to me these are all the things that live was supposed to be, but a lot of people looked at, including me, I looked at it much differently. Brendan, there is a literary term for what Mr. Hydorn just threw at us and it's escaping me right now, but it's complexity of the weaving in of the live plus the, the simulator league. And 
Can you put this in appropriate words, sir? What's the word? Haiku? No, that's not it. <laughs> is that the word? What is a haiku anyway? Um, that's a poem. Isn't that a poem? That's right. That is. It a is. poem is like balanced, like, uh, like is it eight yeah. syllables or something? I don't can't remember. One of those riddles wrapped in an enigma. Yeah. <laughs> All those deals. I, you know, I think the thing that differs between Liv and this is Liv's trying to, they were trying to change things up in a way that people would see the game differently and they wouldn't be, they were kind of putting, uh, putting down the way things have always been. And I don't think that the Tigers League is, is trying to do anything like that. It is about fun and it is about embracing that part of the, you know, the population that watches golf, but may not necessarily play it other than top golf and that, in that forum. Um, and it's just another way to try to pour, pull more eyeballs into the sport. So I, they're not taking it serious. They're not going to be looking for world ranking points. <laughs> they're going to be just having fun with some of the best guys on tour. I agree. I, I, I think there is a complete distinction. It's almost like the old skins game. If we really want to turn back the clock since we're approaching Thanksgiving and uh, it's just, it's made for TV entertainment. Um, it actually, I think it's going to attract the younger crowd. Um, it's all about, you know, the high tech and, and what have you. Um, and it's purely entertainment. It's as I, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Brennan. It's not, yeah. it has nothing to do with, competing with the establishment right. so bob you are mr reimagine golf would you reimagine this would i reimagine doing something like this yes uh yeah i i figured something like this was going to come along that tried to pair new age technology simulators call it with some aspect of regular golf um I mean, I scour everything. Just the other day, Whirlpool now has a refrigerator that the quote is, they are reimagining the refrigeration in households going forward. In the future, you're going to have a refrigerator in the kitchen that's smaller. You'll have one in the bedroom. You'll have one in the living room. You'll have one in the den. Everything's going to be different about re re refrigeration of food in your house. So everybody's looking out there trying to reimagine. The United States education system is trying to reimagine. I see the term all over the place the last five, seven years. And yeah, I mean, to do something to attract eyeballs to the game, like a top golf, to get participation and engagement, it's all great. But then do those people stay like the NGF study said more people on non golf course participation than the first time in history the last year. So do they stay there? Is that good? We're trying to get them to the green grass. You know, I don't, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ways to grow the game. Did I just say that, Brendan? Oh, Bobby. <laughs> uh, but you're they're just trying to grow their business and put money in the pocket for the, the VCs, I suppose. But, um, you know, I, I was hopeful that this thing would get going. I was hopeful that a lot of people would tune in and have fun and it would be entertaining. But then I'm the historian green grass guy like you guys. Uh, how do we get them to the golf course? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Bob. Obviously, that's that's your flag that you carry with you all the time. And and I think we all appreciate that. Um, I, I do think that the interesting difference here is that this new league is completely incremental to me. There's nothing cannibalistic about what's going on here. And I think right. That's where the major difference lies between, you know, the Tiger Golf League and and Live. And Live became, you know, <laughs> it was it was us or them. It was make a choice. It was that there's none of that going on with the Tiger Golf League. And I think if Live ultimately wasn't that, then I think maybe it would have been met with with a little more open arms and and open minds where. I think this thing is, is again, it's all about fun. And I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, agreed. Suffice it to say, Rory is uh, in the news quite a bit, B.E., because, I yeah. mean, his his dome is collapsing. His, his, his league is in jeopardy. And he just made the news for other reasons this week. 
Yeah, and I, I just before we came on, I was just watching the clip from the Golf Channel's YouTube channel, and uh, um, I, I think people could could speculate that this came because of he's not happy with the project or the you know the trajectory of how all this is going, and but they said in the Golf Channel, uh, Todd Lewis said that. Rory had been looking to to get out of it along like six, seven months ago um, because he's just got so much on his plate. And that kind of makes sense. I, I I mean, but again, you could spin this any way you want to spin it, that he's just not happy with how things are going with the PGA Tour and what they're deciding to do. Um, but he's just a busy guy. I mean, he's got his league with Tiger. He's his game ever since he stepped into this role, his game hasn't been you know, probably where he wants it to be. He hasn't had the time to focus because there's been such an emphasis on him being one of the leaders of this whole thing and saving the tour and, and being the voice for the players. That takes it. That'll take a toll on anybody. And he's doing his golf now ads. True. Yeah, that too. I saw an, um, a chart about Rory and actually the last uh, year or two, he's finished really well in the majors. But, I mean, I'm with you that I, I think he just feels used and abused. I think yeah. he went out there and something's going on behind the scenes that doesn't sit well with him. And if he did, he's, he's done – I mean, the chart was like he had a pretty decent – if you look at the majors, uh, he's been close. Um, if he gets this off his mind and he focuses, I think he has a monster year. Andy, I don't want to say anything because B, I figured was going to make a motion, but I'm going to step up right now. And say that <laughs> your new guy on the board. I would like to. I have experience <laughs> in running for office, and I would like this position on the tour policy board since I couldn't get elected in my local township to the <laughs> board of supervisors. Well, Just I saying. think I think Brendan can nominate you. I will second it, and Bob will third it. We got a quorum. Yep. Yep. So it, I'm, look, pulling, I, I I'm, think, pulling, I'm pulling good with the old guy vote. <laughs> yeah, I would check those voting machines. You're, you're definitely tracking. Um, no, no mail. Chads, hanging chads. Yeah. But I, I think with Rory, I, I think there's so much speculation about why, why, why. And I think we just heard it right here to me. And, and we don't know either, right? We're speculating, speculating as well. But to me, like Rory really took his position very seriously and took a leadership role and it had to have taken a major toll on him it did i mean he was he was fighting the good fight <laughs> you know depends on how you want to look at it but, but there's a lot of people that took a guy that was universally liked and don't like him at all anymore and think he's a whiner and a complainer and and I'm I am a hundred percent on Rory on his bandwagon. I, I think he's great. He's a great player. He's a great spokesman. Um, but it had to have taken its toll on him. So I, I think without speculating any more or less than that, it just seems to be that that's a relatively safe bet to say. I I think that he recognized his so the tiger void, the void of, of power left by tiger kind of fading off once again, maybe hopefully to return for at least a brief stint. And then Phil was always kind of the next guy there. And we obviously know he went off the rails. I think Rory recognized his place in history that I am a champion. I've been a multiple champion and I can be a voice from just the game in general, because it's not an American, it's not a Europe, it's, it, he's, he's an international star. And I think he's, I, I mean, and to still put up the good numbers that he is and the performances in the majors, I think it's remarkable, actually. I do too. And I'll tell you what, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that, that this ran through my head today, that, you know, there's, there's news about him wanting to move to, to London um, he already joined the club there. I mean, he may be sick of what's going on in this country right now, too. Yeah. There's a lot of ridiculous. 
Stop. He, may be, he may be sick of what's going on in London, though, right now. I mean, to be honest with you, this, it's crazy worldwide is what's going on. But yeah, that's a whole other conversation about my political platform. Just want to throw it out there again. I ran on <laughs> one, one community working together. Just I want a shameless plug. Thank you so much. But Rory could not have forecasted the fact, Mr. Elliott, tour ownership for the players. I don't know anything about this. Tell me oh, more. Okay, well, <laughs> my bad. That was Alan's platform running. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, they, 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 it, it, it was all over Twitter again. Phil was going, huh, isn't that interesting? You guys, oh, were, okay. you know, everybody's, because uh, I guess there was the latest discussion was about, once again, the, the, the players having ownership of the tour uh, in this new for-profit entity, and Phil was chirping once again. That's uh, yeah. His his tweets were are getting just stranger and weirder and more ridiculous by the day. I mean, I read I read the thing he tweeted out today, and the coffee. Yeah, it, it just he's he's off the charts. Crazy. What he said at best, Alan, he's off the rails for sure. I think he is. Well, what what I mean, and all this mix. You know, it's interesting and funny and kind of crazy. Reporters are asking Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, about him coming in to run the PGA Tour. I mean, what what a indictment on Jay Monahan. I mean, how long is Jay going to be there? A lot of speculation about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good word, speculation. Yeah. <laughs> and then the I, interesting. Well, I'm pretty you know, sure. I, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I'm pretty sure Adam Silver would rather run the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some, some right crazy now, sure. time with the PGA Tour. I want to make another, well, I'm going to make another comment, and uh, he does occasionally listen to our podcast. I will nominate Craig Can to step in and be the next uh, tour commissioner if Jay decides to step down. Knows media, knows the game, loves the game. He knows C administration. He was with the LPGA for a C while. C-suite experience. Great guy. Great dude. But we I mean, like. What do you guys think is going to be the shakeout? Again, we're speculating, of course, but we're, I mean, as the calendar turns here pretty soon, we're going to have to start getting some answers. So, I mean, what do you think? Well, on my platform, you know, I, on my platform, I wrote down fall, winter, golf. What have you? So, you know, we got some we got some golf being played, but yeah, I mean, what happens when the calendar flips to twenty four? Well, I think they were supposed to have something in place by December thirty first, right? That's what I thought, yeah. Um, but that's uh, what I heard today that that's been pushed off, and you know, there's other people that they're now thinking about. Um, Investing, Fenway Sports Group is one of them. Yep. Investing in the PGA Tour as opposed to, you know, the public investment fund. So, um, I think they're they're probably not ready to do anything just yet. And why should they be, right? Yeah. Yeah, not could keep. Yeah, if they're not ready. Uh, did you see uh, Frank Nabilo's comments about? You didn't see that one. No. Oh, he was on uh, Gary, Gary Williams' podcast, and he went into this area where, like, nobody's mentioned, but he's – I don't want to misquote him whatsoever, but it was basically these tour players now are making too much money as opposed to what's going on, what are they doing versus some other sports. Um, and it was a really interesting – I didn't watch the podcast. I, I read the transcript. Very interesting comments. Yeah, I, I mean, I've said that on on – one or two of our shows. And, and I think I even made the uh, analogy to the, <laughs> the Ted Lasso scene where, where, you know, she's saying how much, when's enough enough. Right. And at the end of the day, like the amount of money that's being played for now is way more than it ever has been mm -hmm. way more. So at what point is it, is it enough? Yeah, I mean, he made the some good analogies to other sports, and you know, and, and my take is for probably, you know, it might be 
20 to 30 years. If they ever talk about, if anybody ever says greatest golfers because of money list, that's a complete and utter joke from now on. I, I can't even deal with that anymore. You know, that, that still yeah. comes up now and then. And I'm just like, what a joke. No, no, it's, it's, it's completely untethered, right? Yeah. Untethered. I like that. Well, that's always been my, my biggest complaint about live is it's untethered money. Like, like the amount of money being put into live and invested in live has no basis in business mm -hmm. at all. I don't care what they say. You know, they want people to invest in it. Like they invest in formula one teams. That's bullshit. I mean, so, like the money is just makes no sense. It, it took me a minute be to find it, but, uh, Lou Stagner, the golf guy, the golf stats guy, right? Yeah, uh, I, I love to follow Lou's stuff. It's good. It's, he's, he's your man. <laughs> he is my man. Yeah. Well, to, to Bobby's point, this is a great tweet he had uh, a couple of days ago. In 1980, the 125th player on the PGA Tour made $19,895. The median household income in the U.S. was $21,000. Wow. Today, last year. About level. Yeah. Last year, the 125th player, actually, I should do it the other way around. The median household income in the United States is 87, just 88,000. We'll round it off. Want to take a guess what number 125 on the money list one this year? Two million. Two million. I was going to say just under two. One million, $25,000. Oh. Was that Sam Ryder? I think he was close to the 125. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Like, like I remember, and I'm now that Christian's not on tonight, I'm the youngest in the bunch. And I remember Tom Kite being the first guy to, to break that million dollar mark. And yep. that wasn't that long ago. I, in, in reality, I mean, that really wasn't that long ago. And now, now somebody breaks a million bucks every week. Yep. Andy, I, re I remember sitting in my dad's golf shop at Hillview Country Club in North Reading as a kid. And there was a bunch of members watching the TV show. And I really can't remember who won on tour. And it might have been Jack Nicholas, and he he won 40000 and he's holding the check. 40000 And all these members <laughs> are going, that's ridiculous. What is it of the money? Winning all this money. That, well, that's, that, 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 me. that's what it was. Like the, yeah. the smallest purses, I know this because they were in multiples of nine. The smallest purse paid 36 then 45 for the next level, 54 for the next, 63, and then the players championship earned the winner 72,000 bucks. Yes. Big money. That's exactly what the winner's share was back in the 80s. Yeah. It's crazy. So I asked the question there is golf being played right now. There is the fall slash winter season. We're now almost up to the Things like the PNC, which I'm I'm jacked up to see the latest Charlie Woods that come come December, but we had some, we had we've had some good golf played. Andy, you, you want to chime in? I mean, on some of the, the action we're seeing and how this benefits, helps, hurts. I mean, to me, like, is there? I know there are a lot of good stories, but is there a better story than Camilla Vajegas? I nope. mean, like, I love what happened last week with him and what he's been through not just personally but what he's been through with his golf game as well um and some of the quotes that that you know he he had said after his victory were pretty amazing that that how far you can fall and how far you can recover right so mm -hmm. i think i think that's been an amazing story this fall yeah, he. Uh, I saw uh, Dr. Gio Valiente. He he wrote Fearless Golf. It's a great book. Um, one of these great mental coaches that are out there, and he had posted something on Facebook about he's known Camilo since he came up from Columbia and went to UF and taught himself how to speak English and just how he's always been somebody that's just put his head down, worked hard. Um, and always felt like he was going to be able to accomplish things, but he he'll be the first one to tell you with all that's happened in the last, you know, two, three years of his life. Um, 
he said he still Camilio said this that he still gets up every day and works hard, but he did lose faith that you know he was ever going to get there again. But just I, I told Alan before the show started, I met Camilio at the Masters. I think it was in eighteen or nineteen. He we have a, a mutual friend, one of one of his buddies from Columbia, went to the Golf Academy of America where I taught, and he introduced me to Camilio at the Masters, a practice round, and we talked to him for like 20, 25 minutes and just such a nice guy. Like he is, he was probably the the nicest guy of a tour professional that I've ever met. So it's, it's good to see people like that. Not saying the guys are jerks. Uh, they're all probably, they're all nice guys. I mean, most of them, Patrick Reed, um, but we can see <laughs> when you can see Patrick this. Patrick Reed, <laughs> Mr. Subliminal. <laughs> when you can see that firsthand and, and get to talk to somebody like that, it's just so cool to see him get back into the winner's circle. Couldn't agree more. I think yeah. the, the, yeah, the fall, you get a lot of these almost more human interest stories. It's the end mm-hmm. of the year. It's like on the cusp of making this and that. You see him once in a while earlier in the year, but uh, I, I agree with uh, Rajegas that that victory was amazing. I was emotionally touched by Eric Van Royen with his victory and yeah, all that yep. transpired behind that. I mean, that was that that interview that he did on 18 was just yep. uh, man. And, you know, it's just I don't know the way it maybe it hit home even more at our golf club here, the Woodford Club. Uh, we're bringing on an assistant superintendent. His name's Rick Van Ruin or Royen, the same exact spelling from the same country. Um, wow. I have no idea if there's a family connection there but that was uh i mean that struck me i'm mean, all these stories i gotta like, believe there's some relation that means <laughs> <laughs> yeah to me you know what you know what's really cool now that you mention it is it, you really end up pulling for the eric van royans and the camilo vajayas and the people who are playing in the fall they aren't the guys who are all flying private and you know making the millions and millions these guys these guys are fighting for their professional lives yeah yeah i i just think it's super super awesome to be able to to watch those stories play out and and uh it's pretty cool to watch watch some of those players overcome and achieve what they have and there's a lot of them like wesley and george bryant those that's a cool story too great story great story I agree. So I got a question for you because as you can see, I am wearing, well, actually you may not be able to see me because I'm in camo right now. My camo knit hat. Um, Matches your beard. It does. (laughs) His camo beard. It's like my golden gunny suit. (laughs) Wait, where did AD go? (laughs) (laughs) So winter golf. It's not so long ago that you guys have all played winter golf. Should we talk about any tips? I mean, we're now getting into winter golf, managed expectations. Bobby's going to be freezing his ass off in Kentucky this year. Just saying. Too much bourbon. Too much bourbon to get cold. Okay. Insulation. (laughs) Little antifreeze. I mean, that's that's probably a good topic just just to touch on for for golfers that are out there, what the, what should they be focusing on going into winter? Oh, uh, excellent instructors. I mean, clean I, your, I clean your grooves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a little system and a methodology for playing in the cold, but in general, a bit of a sweeping generalization. The people that I see that play in the cold think that they're still playing in July with club selection. Uh, illusions of hitting the ball certain ways, even some delusional of trying to curve the ball in that weather. Um, you know, that wintertime golf, the best thing possible is walking. The best thing possible is trying to, um, you know, hit different shots, play the course different. I actually, shoot, I don't want to bring this subject up because I wanted to end the show with this, Alan. You like, my 18th hole, you, I wanted to talk about this actually because uh, I got you. All right, I, I got to come up with something different. Anyways, I think every golf club in America that's up north at some point as they're getting into the winter, we're going to do this at our club. We did this growing up at Hillview. You play these crazy cross-country 
Yeah, we did that Love all them. the time. Yeah, I mean that's just part of the winter, like you know, walking and playing mm. almost like a par nine. Go from the yep. first hole here to the seventeenth, whatever. I mean, like crazy across the property. You know, that's one of the beauties of playing golf in the winter. I think you just look at the course different. You play different shots, almost cross country everything. But you're not going to hit the ball as far. It's not going to have a bunch of carry. You might have a little more roll. Um, please still be careful about the greens, the putting surfaces, if you're out there the wrong time. Uh, but it, there's definitely, I think some people just forget about the dynamic dynamics, even of layered up. I got five layers on. I can't even swing the same. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, found, I found it cut my shoulder turn down to like 69 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> That's a 1% loss. You're like Ralphie's brother in a Christmas story with that jacket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think Bob, that's a that's a really cool idea, like the cross country thing, because you know the the one thing that we all love in the summer is to play on good greens, and well, you don't get that in the winter. So why play a 360 yard hole if it's going to be a temporary green? It'd be so much more fun to play some cross country you know, collection of holes on your golf course. That way, when you get to the temporary green, it's not a big letdown because it's just <laughs> kind of part of the fun. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, you got to make this like four holes over. Don't just, I don't know, go parallel. And you know, like, you, you re- it's almost like you have four, five, maybe six golf holes you've created. And one of them could be a quote unquote par three that, Hey, if I made a six, I did great. I parted. I mean, like, love to help people set this up because I think it's one of the fun things about winter golf. Super cool idea. Yeah, and since I'm the only Floridian on the panel now, since Bobby moved up to the, <laughs> you know, today was a good example because it was, it was 70 degrees out and the wind was blowing like 25 miles an hour with some mist. It was cold here in Florida. That's why I've got my hoodie on and my Gilligan hat, and it's tough to get used to this winter weather i feel it, for you guys was it really 70 it was 70 <laughs> well, you know when it wasn't 70 is when we shameless plug played in the little linksters golf outing uh last uh january it was like 42 degrees out and it that's was bad my, that day that's why my swing was restricted that day Andy. <laughs> just your swing right yep <laughs> i i don't even recall it being cold i guess i do but no, but I am gonna make. I don't want to get off back. I want to get back on the topic. But Brendan, you do have something cool going on with little linksters right now. But the the listeners should pay attention to right. Do I? Oh, uh, I... yeah, auction. Oh yes, the auction. So I wanted to do something different with the auction, and I think I worked out a couple things. You guys know it. So I was able to snag from the PGA um, two weekly passes to the Ryder Cup in 25. Um, it looks like I'm going to probably get two rounds to play the black to go with that. Um, we got two tickets to for the week to uh, Valhalla for the PGA next uh, next year. Um, we got Solheim Cup tickets. We got a lot of good courses. The uh, course that's actually opening this weekend, um, Panther National down in uh, the Palm Beach area, that's a Justin Thomas and Jack Nicholas design, which is interesting. I think this, I don't know for sure, but this might be JT's first venture into course design. Um, and it looks like a really cool property. Um, something unique for that part of Bobby knows that part of, of Florida really well. So um, we're, we're probably getting a foursome for that. Um, but yeah, we're going to do the auction. They wanted to push it to next week for our second auction, but I convinced them to push it back a little bit. And now they want to go into the, um, first part of January, which is when we did our auction last year. So, yeah, working on that. Awesome. And where did everybody find it? We know where to find it, but where's that? Well, real? It's, it's member for a day is the website. Um, so the link, there's no link live until we actually start the auction. So, okay. But do they find it through little links first? No, or they can go on member for a day. Okay. Okay. Andy, back to winter golf. <laughs> Yeah, well, you mentioned something at the outset of the winter golf comments. And it's we were playing this weekend and it was mid 60s and 
I think people tend to not even realize, and Bob, you just mentioned this, how much difference the distance your ball travels mm-hmm. in 65 degrees versus 95 degrees. Like it is substantial. Um, and I think, I think, yep. you know, even, even people who know that that's going to happen still, right. you know, don't account for enough of it. Um, because it matters a lot. But if you know, you know. You know, you know. <laughs> and here, here's the critical piece of advice. I can't stress this enough. Don't hit it thin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's when it's really cold. You know that it'll wake you right up and right up your fingers, arms. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, it's yeah. a hell of a lot worse back in the old day with the Hogan edges. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brittle. Swinging some blades. <laughs> All so, right, Andy, go ahead. Are, are you are you open to me bringing up a topic here that I think needs a good five minute discussion? Yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if everybody's seen this, but there is a big hubbub on the the for you podcast, um, which is the bar stool thing, and mm. and. They were playing uh, a two-man scramble match. Um, you guys familiar with this? I know um, where this is going. Okay. Yep. So they're playing a – let me set the scenario for everybody. They're playing a two-man scramble match. Um, and the one group has a five-footer for birdie. And the first guy goes up and he puts it and he misses it. And then he taps it in before the other guy gets to, to take his second putt. Uh, and try to make it so it blows up into a huge argument and and uh on social media it's been nothing but debate back and forth about what the right thing to do is and what the rules are and what this and what that is i'm curious as to you guys i'll pose the question do you allow the second guy to putt or not is there really rules to a scramble, though? No. There's there not. There's never been. No. It's, it's how you decide amongst the, amongst who's ever playing. That's how we've always done it. I think El Presidente, Dave Portnoy, was right there on the green, wasn't he, on that video? He was. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I got to go back and watch that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. And, Bob, I think, I think you'll – be able to shed some light on this too like i think that whole you know quasi rule about you know if you hole out before everyone putts that ball is considered to be in the hole i think that was part of the the game rules for the oldsmobile scramble um and as you're playing you know a scramble protecting the field you don't want all this extra putting to go on um I believe that that's where that came from. And the argument then becomes, is that the rule of the scramble? And I think, Brendan, you asked the right question. Are there rules? And there are not rules. There is only the rule. Before Bobby answers that, there is, you would all know this. There is only the rule of the eraser and the pencil. Yeah. (laughs) At the little linkster scramble, by the way. And and mulligans. How many mulligans you can buy? (laughs) Yeah, there, there's no... 17 under got smoked by seven. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is no, yeah, um, official USGA rules for a quote-unquote scramble. Although, if I could digress for one sec, I'd love to get them on the show coming up. Uh, doubles golf is oh, out yeah. there and starting in America. And doubles golf, that format will, it, and I believe it is getting adopted by the USGA. There'll be a new form of play called Better Shot. Uh, but anyways, I mean, the best you have is probably a notice to competitors and you're holding a scramble, and here's sort of local local rules. I mean, it gets weird. It gets messy. It does. But at the end of the day, in this particular situation, like, they're playing for supposedly a lot of money. And the guy goes up and taps it in. Did he gain any advantage? No. Like, no. So for someone to try and call that on him, at that point in time, to me, is total bush league. Yeah, I agree. Gamesmanship, you know, yeah, it's, it's been, been around since the days of old Tom Norris. 
I think you, unless there is established rule on the rules of play, which we put one in the cart every day for an event, then negative. When's the last time you played in a scramble and they even mentioned that particular thing about holding a putt? Never. Yeah, because we just don't give a shit. Right. Yeah, because there are many other things that are that are, that are causing issues with the scorekeeping. <laughs> I mean, seriously, at that point, I'm raking it and putting it in my pocket anyway. Because <laughs> you know why, Andy? I'm not missing that putt anyway. No. <laughs> You're never missing that putt. Another eight. <laughs> yeah. What do you, Andy? Did you ever chime in? Do you feel it? Does it count or not? Before we move oh, on, I, I thought I just clearly uh, chimed uh, in and said it's okay. bush league. Someone bush league. to call it. All right. In that case, if, I think it's time I wasn't be, clear enough. <laughs> I think it's I think it's time to put B. Are we putting B on the hot seat or Bobby? I think I think it's time. Is it Bobby or B? I think it's it's Brendan. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So. Brendan, welcome to the Quiet Please hot seat. Brendan Elliott, welcome to Quiet Please hot seat. You're going to answer these ten, uh, nine questions. Um, Truthfully. What comes to your mind? And we'll see uh, what you're all about at the end of this little hot seat round. So uh -oh. what is your lowest 18-hole score, Brendan? Lowest 18-hole score on a par 70 or 72 or 71? Which doesn't matter. In relation I've to had, I've had a 70 on a 72, a 69 on a 70. So 69 is your answer. What are your three favorite courses you have played? Um, hmm. I would say back like these questions are a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I haven't thought about I know, my I know, answers. I know. I know. Um I like the ocean course at Hammock Beach. That's a lot of fun. Um, uh, Innisbrook, the Copperhead, that's hard. <laughs> Super hard. Um, and I think, oh, those, those aren't in order, but um, I have a tie with Nona in Isleworth. Those are both pretty special. Ooh, Nona's strong. Fair enough. What three courses that you have not played would you like to play? Augusta National, Augusta National, and Augusta National. <laughs> no, Augusta, St. Andrews, and uh, I'll say any of the Bandon courses. My brother's going out there in December. I'm very, very jealous. Okay. So, okay, in no particular order, name the three best golfers of all time. Uh, Tiger, Jack, um, Annika. Very nice. What's the best part of your game? Today, now, where I don't play very much, it's understanding that mechanics don't have any bearing in shooting a good score. So playing the game, that's the best part of my game. Good answer. What skill is most important to play good golf? Which might might be the same answer. <laughs> yeah, course management. I mean, like that's a leading golfing, <laughs> golfing your ball. I mean, that's it gets overlooked. I mean, people say a particular part or technique or concentration, but it, uh, to me, it's about putting the ball in the hole. It doesn't have to look pretty. Okay. Um, who's your favorite golfer, past or present? You know, I've been thinking about this question since you guys first started doing the hot seat. Um, I have to say my dad because he's the one that brought me up playing and it, his best. He was probably a two or three. Um, but, you know, I could say Tiger, Jack or whatever, but he they had no influence on me picking up a club. So it's my dad. Cool. Quickly describe the best shot you've ever hit. Time, place and situation. We played a, uh, a going away match for the pro that I used to work for at Winter Park. We played it at a, a course in Mount Dora, Mount Dora uh, Country Club. Um, it was 
like a 90 yard bunker shot, which I was like not looking forward to hitting because I absolutely hate that yardage, let alone in a bunker. Um, and it was our final hole and we had money on the line. And I thought I thinned it a little bit, but it hit like 15 feet behind the hole and had one of those tour uh, spin backs and went in the hole. So I took the final three or four holes carryover, I think. Put some cash in my pocket. So just a little little uh, comment about that's obviously one of the new questions, Alan. And I, I, I think it's so cool to have somebody because you know that there's a shot or two that pops up in your mind about that would fill that answer. And I think that's such a cool answer you just gave. Um, so final question before the 19th hole question, what do you cherish most about the game of golf? Um, the people that I've met through, through the game. Okay. Here's your 19th hole question. How many holes in one do you have? That's an easy answer. Zero. <laughs> but a little caveat to that. We had a city golf league when I worked at Winter Park, city employee golf league. And I I drew this guy. I don't remember his name. He worked in wastewater and doesn't pick up a club much. But we had to use X amount of tee shots from our partner. So the seventh hole at Winter Park is a fairly long par three. It's like 175 yards or something like that. He literally tops it and hits it five yards. But I had to play his shot and I hold that one out. I could have said that that. <laughs> it was my one of my most memorable shot, but that was the second shot I hold out that day off of one of his stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was not a hole in one; it was a birdie. <laughs> Brendan Elliott, you survived the hot heat. Thank you. All right, Bobby, nineteenth hole. Have you recovered and come up with another? No, it's a head shake. That's a no. All right, I'm gonna give you. Well, I'm gonna give you a chance, Andy. Okay, so this is a little shout out, and there's a little bit of of uh, sympathy, empathy, and jealousy to this story. So, one of my good buddies, Scott Carson, uh, got invited this week to play Augusta National, and like many people I know, he doesn't deserve to be invited to play Augusta National, but he got invited, and lo and behold. Scott came down with COVID and had to cancel. Um, what a terrible, terrible set of circumstances there. So, did they issue a rain uh, check? Get better soon, Mr. Carson. Andy, did they issue a rain check for him? I think they're working on the rain check. Okay. That's a not, bummer. Not, not an official like chit rain check, like, like <laughs> right at Wakaima. <laughs> right. Yeah. B-E. So speaking of Wakaiba, my final thought, you guys might have seen a post I did on social a couple of weeks ago. It continues to get better. And, you know, people, if you haven't worked in the golf business, you truly don't understand how difficult it can be to run a golf operation um, from the complaints people have about course conditions. It's not that simple. It's not that simple to go by sod and sod this area. It's not that simple for your irrigation system sucks to miraculously come up with half a million dollars to fix that. But since the county, Seminole County came in and took over Wakaiva, the conditions and everything, it's been a slow and steady upward trend. The greens going into the to the winter season, and they haven't even overseeded them. Um, they just look as good as they've looked in a very, very long time. So kudos to the county, kudos to the superintendent and his staff. Um, it's just things are looking good at Wakaiva. So you guys, when we do our event, it looks like we're doing it end of April this year. Um, if you can make it down, um, the course is going to be in good shape, really good shape. Cool. That golf course has great bones, man. Yeah, it, it was, it really it was fun to play. Yeah, it it's some. It I mean, it was easy to play for Andy seventeen under, but I mean. <laughs> Well, because well, you clearly made the easiest greens to putt in the southern hemisphere. Without question. I guess we're in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> but they were good in the southern hemisphere also. <laughs> Both. All right, Bobby, what do you got? Uh, let's see. You want me to go? 
No, well, you know, uh, I'll finish with a few comments. Uh, I think uh, Bill Belichick will move on after this year. I think the Red Sox will be back in the mix next year. I think <laughs> uh, my annual state of the Boston sports uh, conference, you know, <laughs> uh, see the Celtics winning it all this year. I really do. And I see the Bruins going pretty darn deep. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll we'll be turning it around with the Patriots. Okay. I got, I got a lot of shit to say, boys. So, but it's, <laughs> just hang on a second. He's got a list. He's got a list. Here we go. Robert Kleckner, owner, Linfield National. Shout out! I know you listen, so good to hear you that you're listening for us. Thank you very much. Uh, shameless plug for Woodford and Linkster, so I get to put shameless plug in there for Copper Hill, new listing in Connecticut. Wait till you see that one. Great little nine hole track. Candlewood Valley, and I'll be speaking at the Michigan Golf Course Owners Convention following uh, following Thanksgiving. Oh crap! I better prepare for that. Um, and uh, Andy, you can still chime in on a shameless plug for yourself if you'd like. But I do have to say, guys, you had a hell of a show this last week. If, if our listeners did not listen to Aimpoint, record downloads by far. I mean, blew it out of the water. So you really need to listen to that show. That's all I got. I'm I think Mr. Mr. Elliot was at the helm that week. Was he? I didn't know. Okay. All right. Andy, high five, virtual high five, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, any shameless plug? For for what? Anything. <laughs> I, I have no shameless plug. Am I the right. only one without a shameless That's plug? That's no shame. Andy yeah. has no shame. Yeah. Well, in that case. Where's the button? They, they move the buttons around on Zoom all the time. <laughs> you only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan Depew today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.